This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 159, sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service and Witchblade, the anime series from Funimation. Every time I'm walking down the streets, some pretty mama's not breaking down with me, stop breaking down. Yes, yeah, stop breaking down. If I got a bunch of brains out, baby, it'll make you lose your mind. Well, hello, and welcome to the Pick of the Week podcast from iFanboy. See, I switched that up just a little bit. This is the 159th episode, which may have some sort of mathematical meaning I don't know about, but whatever. I am Josh. I'm here with uh, Ron. Hey. And Connor. Hello. Stop trying to charm me out of my pants, you, every time with that. (laughs) Oh, how am I supposed to go on now? <laughs> At our fanboy, we like books, and we read them. Every week, we read a bunch of them, and then one of us picks the best one that they read. They stay up real late, they write about it, put it on the website, and then we talk about it on the podcast, along with various other topics of interest. Before we get to the show, a quick warning for everybody. If you haven't read your books, don't don't listen now unless you don't care because we're going to talk about what happens in them. Uh, some people call that spoilers, and we don't want to spoil things, so... Uh, you haven't read them, go read them, then come back. You will enjoy this all the more, I think. That's my call. This week, Ron had the pick. I did. Which I didn't know about. Yeah, <laughs> kind of <laughs> threw you for a loop there when you were trying to guess what Connor was going to pick. 
Yeah. And I did. I picked I did Detective Comics Hit 50. Oh, wait, wow. That's what's it's so nice. Um, you wrote a really good review. No, just, Thank oh, you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so I had the pick of the week, and I chose Detective Comics number 850, and I ate a, ate a little crow while I did it. I have long, long, long dismissed Batman as a, as a comic line. As I wrote in the review that you see at ifanboy.com, I have nothing against the character. I mean, it's easy to be like, oh, I don't like Batman. Like, I, like I don't like Superman. I don't like Batman. I, I don't mind Batman. I don't mind Superman. They're good characters. They're good people. They just don't They don't really kind of grab me. They don't, it's not very compelling. It's just, oh, to me, Bat- the Batman books just seem to be, the Batman comics specifically have been always very heavy in, in this uh, huge cast and all this kind of stuff that's going Hypocrite. on. I, well, I, I, I fully acknowledge the irony. I fully acknowledge But the thing is, is that think about it. How much of that can, you ta- can one take? Like, my head is full of X-Men minutia, and I just can't cram in another big family. But that's my, that's my whole thing is that I can't – I just don't I – don't, I, ha- I can't – I don't have the room for it. I can't have Your it. premise is com- incredibly flawed, though, because I don't find Batman books to be that way at all. Oh, at all. That's how it feels to me. That's how it feels to me. And then – but then on top of that, it's always just like the same story. It's like, oh, his parents died, uh, criminal, detective work, wacky villain, Robin, dead – we're human too. Oh, why do they hate us? Oh, we're so different. We save their lives and we protect hey there, them. Hey there, mister. You watch us. your step, mister. But, but anyway, but th- that said, I, 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 I've, got, I've said it before in the podcast. I've always enjoyed the work that Paul Dini's done on the character, whether it's in the animated series or in the comics. So when he came on Detective Comics, and what, it's been like two years now, hasn't it? Or At least two years, right? A year and a half, maybe? Since one yeah. year, it's, at least two years. Yes, yeah, it's, it's been yeah. a long time. And I said, and we said, I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to buy this ongoing. And and Connor, hold me, you know, keep me honest. I've bought every issue, right? Every issue he's written, correct? Yeah, every issue he's written, I purchased, and the, the, for the most part, they've been good. The, the 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 whole one and done thing, and the Riddler, and there was the Zatanna thing. I remember it all. But R.I.P. rolled around, and and I was like, oh, this is going to be, you know, like it's not going to be good. This is going to, you know, this whole big crossover thing, this event is going to mar it down. But somehow, Dini was able to not get marred down by the big R.I.P. thing. And really, the only thing that, as far as I can tell, the only thing in common that Detective Comics has had with R.I.P. is just the cover treatment. That's been it. It might tie into the greater story. I don't know, because I'm not reading it. But so I'm like, all right, well, you know, I'll, I'll, give, him some, I'll, give, I'll give him some faith, because he's done well. But then I saw that, the, or heard the villain was going to be Hush. And Hush was just, you know, I read Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee when H- the Hush storyline, and and it was probably one of the the more it was pretty. I like the Jim Lee art, but it was one of the the lesser Jeff Loeb stories, if you, in my opinion. And the Hush character was just it was just a lame twist, left turn to make you think it wasn't somebody else, which was just it was just lame, lame, lame. So I was very annoyed. Yep. That said, I've read this arc and I've enjoyed it. How many issues is this arc? I think it was three, right? Could be. I don't know, three or four. Three or four, somewhere around there. It was it was enough, yeah. enough. And I remember saying I think it was four. It wasn't three. Yeah. It was too, seems too short. Yeah. And I remember saying a couple a couple issues ago, saying that you know it's it's hush, but I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm really good. And what what has happened is is that hush is basically you know striking back at Batman and and striked him at where he you know striked him at his heart where he he got a hold of Catwoman and he had her heart removed, which was. Fucked up. Yeah, way fucked up. And this issue was the, the, the last issue of it, and it kind of wrapped everything up, and the big showdown in the Batcave between Hush and, and Batman, as well as Robin and Nightwing, briefly. And there's a lot of, a lot of okay, this is the last issue, so we're going to explain everything. But it yeah. did it in a way that made perfect sense and that, that solved the mystery and wrapped it up. And like I had no questions about the story. Everything made sense. Everything wrapped up. It was done in a way that was paced well. It wasn't just, you know, okay, we're going to fight and now I'm going to tell you what my plan is and then you're going to beat me. You know, like it was – every page was super, super good. And also the, the work of Dustin Nguyen has, was just – on this arc has been – first off, I've been loving his covers, these painted covers that he's been doing. I hope he does a comic in this complete style that he's done with The, the cover and that first little page pinup. Yeah. Uh, the title page pinup was beautiful. Oh, it was great. I mean, like, and this this, this book really is is Nguyen coming into his own. I think in terms of just being like a major kind of force, and you know, and, and like I'm gonna watch to see what he does next after this series. And the the interior art was just like, I mean, there was just such a mix of scenes between you know, like, you know, straight up fighting you know, straight up action to like a lot of conversation and character moments and and flashbacks and things like that. And each scene was just done really, really well. And um, 
you know, at the end of the day, when I got to the end of my stack, I couldn't, I'm like, I was just like, geez, I'm like, it's fucking Detective Comics. That was the best book. Like, when I got, I mean, I read my books, the one I'm most excited for first all the way down. And I, when I got my stack, I'm like, I wanted to read it because I knew this was the last issue. I wanted to see how it was going to end. And I, you know, I couldn't believe that it was a Batman book that I was so excited about. So, you know, I, I'm not going to, I'm not on board. I'm not buying the Batman family anymore. I will, you know, like, I'm not. Well, no, he's not done. Yeah, no, he's not done. No, no, I'm not leaving. The, I'm, I'll keep buying it while Dini's buying it, But I'm just saying, just right. because I picked the Batman book doesn't make me. You know, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not the Batman fan now. That's, sure, sure, yeah. sure. But yeah. yeah, he's he's doing he's gonna do a two part story that runs through the, the Batman book too. So he's gonna be oh, doing great. both. Oh, awesome. Okay. Josh said last week that Final Crisis Resist was a clinic. This was like a storytelling clinic from Paul Dini. Yeah. You know, from he packed a lot of stuff in. It was an oversized issue. I don't it know. Was. How, it was. It felt packed. Yeah. It was packed in. It had great character stuff. The opening scene, the big gambit. Last month was that Hush had disabled Batman and he made his face look like Bruce's. He was going to go into, into Wayne Manor and kill everybody, kill Alfred, kill Robin. Yep. And then he goes in. This issue starts with him in there with Alfred and, and Alfred is leading him to the – he's like, oh, I'm hurt, Alfred. Take me to the cave. So he's taking him to the clock and then Alfred turns around and just punches him in the throat, kicks yeah. him in the stomach and dis- disarms him. And that was just a badass Alfred moment. He, he knows these bad characters so well. The only thing I didn't really buy in this issue was that Hush was good enough to A, fight Batman to the brink, and B, take out both Nightwing and Robin at the same time, yeah. hand to hand. Yeah, well, like that, that, there's no way that happens. But I was able to overlook that, and this was just full of Batman porn. Yeah, especially the, especially in the fight in the Batcave where they were, there was a big garage with every single Batmobile that's ever been from the Tumblr to yeah. the 60s Batmobile, to the animated series Batmobile, to the original big bat head Batmobile, to and the t- all the ones in between, the, and then there was the, the... The T-Rex got involved? Well, that was the, the moment where I was yeah. like, this is really good, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> the fucking huge dinosaur is running at Hush, and I went, yes. <laughs> like, he's throwing everything into this issue, yeah. and it was just fantastic, including the scene where Catwoman sort of hallucinating, with Zatanna, having a discussion with Zatanna, yeah. and then... Well, then, then it, all ra- it all wraps up in that, that last, the, the second-to-last scene where, so Catwoman is saved, Mr. Terrific and Dr. Midnight are able to put her heart back in her chest, and she's recovering, and Bruce comes in, and, and basically just, you know, emotional dump on her and says you know like i'm i will always love you you know and and that that tension between those two characters that you're always like even for me as a casual batman fan i knew that they kind of danced around possibly you know having interest in each other to you know to have it finally acknowledged and to have him you know bruce wayne who you know you think is this emotionally shut off emotionally stunted you know character actually have a heart you know and, and it was great uh, you know so that two-page scene i've never ever seen bruce depicted as that emotionally vulnerable or open yep, yep. that was it was shocking and then what made it better was the very next page you find out it just crumbled yeah <laughs> like oh we're you know i love you blah 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 and then the next day the next page catwoman's months later well it all, we had one night together and then it all fell apart yeah. like that's perfect because he was able to unload but he's still not capable of having a relationship yeah yeah it was you can hope just, i hope i hope they can pull it off and then you get Catwoman's kind of revenge on on Hush and and kind of shows who's boss and yeah it was. I wish she was dead. As good as this as good as this mini was, I really wish she just could have blown yeah. him up. And yeah, that dead. Nice. But you know, but but like I said in the review, you know, you could when when they collect this into a hopefully they collect this into like a little mini trade or something like that. You can hand this to somebody and this is here's a Batman story. Yeah, yep. and that's kind of no no small feat in my mind as not a Batman fan to get me to be like, oh wow, that's cool. This is a really, really good arc. This is him knowing these characters so, so well. And yeah. action, it was very much like, I mean, we said in the beginning when he started, very much like the, sh- the cartoon. Yes, yeah. But, but amped up, a little more violent, a little more risque. Good stuff. Yeah, no, it was good. It was good. And I got, the fight got, you know, it was, it was, I was impressed with the brutality of this whole arc. I mean, with the, the whole chess thing and everything and working in, working not only in the Bat, Batman and Robin and Nightwing and Alfred, and, but also, you know, working in Mr. Freeze, working in all the other, you know, the pantheon of characters out there. It's like, you know, like, Ventriloquist and yeah. all those people. Yeah, it's a way to write it. I mean, like, and I said, and like I was saying in my flawed argument, you know, that there's just so many people and there's so many, you know, so many characters in this world, but somehow he's able to use them in the right way so it doesn't feel daunting, so it doesn't feel overwhelming. I think, Ron, you can take Josh to the woodshed for not buying this this issue. He didn't buy this issue. I fell off the wagon at some point, wow. and I think it was when. I think somebody else wrote it or there was a crossover or something yeah. and it wasn't very good and then I'd missed it one week and then when it came back, somebody said, well, Hush is in it. So I was like, oh, I'll just wait this one out and I'll yeah. come back. Yeah, you're lost. What are you going to do? Snooze, you lose. You lose, yeah. sir. Yeah. yeah. So, well, good day, sir. So yeah, so Detective Comics number 850 was super good, but I almost, a part of me almost, almost, almost picked Green Hour Black Canary number 14 
Really? Yeah. I wouldn't. Have, I would not have blamed you. This was so good. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It was really, really. What What I thought was really interesting about it was okay. So first off, it was also Judd Winnick's last issue, which really hit home to me at the very, very end when there's a small little text box and it says, you know, kind of he kind of says his goodbye and you know it says thank you for five incredible years. So like, damn, the dude's been on this title for five years. Yeah. That's a, that's really a run. That's a run and a half. And what what he did was, you know, so it pretty much wrapped up this whole storyline of Connor Hawk getting, you know, getting shot and this whole chasing to find him. And in the previous issue, you know, found out that Dr. Savannah was involved and he had he had kind of brainwashed him or done something that tinkered with him and tinkered with his genetic stock and all this kind of stuff. And it's kind of you, now Connor's back home and he's trying to get, you know, healed and try to get his memory back and understand what it is. And basically what Judd wrote, one of the problems ever since Ollie Queen came back was that there have been two green arrows running around. And basically now we've been given the, given Connor Hawk as a character the option to not be Green Arrow and have his own identity, which was, I think, no small feat either. He kind of left the next writer with a bit of a shitstorm, but also with some options. Yes, exactly, exactly. It's interesting. Who, do we know who the next writer is? I, I assume. It's a guy named Griesberg, I think. He's doing the Batman confidential arc right now with the Joker. Oh. But, I, but I, that said, I'm going to miss, you know, Winnick's characterizations. I mean, even the scene with Dinah and Ollie at the very end. I mean, like, I, I mean, how, how much do you love them as a couple? I mean, like, it's just so, it's so good. And it's like, and the thing is that it, these little moments of them together have been, ever, ever since they got to the whole marriage thing and all that kind of stuff, they've been sparing. They haven't been, we haven't been, like, beaten over the head with them as a couple. And right. that's the right way to do it. And when you're together, you're just when they're together, you're like, oh my god, they're so adorable. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just it's this is a Winnick. Say what you will about Winnick, and say what you will about this this whole run, and everything. He's built this nice little world of Green Arrow, Black Canary, Speedy, Connor Hawk. You know what I mean? Uh, um, Red Arrow. That it's like a nice little family in in the DC universe that I like. I you know I will always want to read. Yeah, it was good. It was good, but it, but it didn't quite put me over the, over the top yeah. for the pick of the week. Call yeah. Me crazy. It was a nice wrap up, definitely. Yeah. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, and just uh, just stellar run, Mister Winner. And also coming into his own as Mike Norton in yeah. that. Uh, yeah, he's going to say he's that not, he's not aping Cliff Chang anymore. He's doing he's, he's doing, doing his own, own thing. thing. Yeah, exactly. And his and 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 his own thing has has gotten has gotten really good. I mean, that's yeah. you know, and it, and it he's fits. still on the book, so yeah. that part's okay. not going to change as far as I understand, unless he does the next one in a completely different style. <laughs> no, the next ones are all Jim Lee style. That's that's what's going on here. Oh no, Eddie Campbell. Yeah, <laughs> he does it all ballpoint pen. <laughs> Action Comics number eight seventy one. I would say the first six eight pages of this book were, I was like, oh, we're in for another one, and like literally because I thought Connor had the pick. I I thought, oh no, it's gonna be it's gonna be this again. Basically, w- w- what you have at the beginning is a couple of Kryptonians running around going. You know who knew his shit was that Zod guy. Yeah, <laughs> we should we should check into that. And then and this is just an amazingly well written scene between Luther and G- General Lane, Colonel Lane. I forget Lois's what it is. father. Yeah, General Lois's Lane. father, who is who was who is not dead, and and is is wants to put Luther to work for him. And I was like, that is just awesome. It was you know just was awesome. It, you know what was awesome about that scene? Yeah, he shot him. It was yes, I laughed like a bitch. He. <laughs> Luther goes on this rant about how Lois picked Clark Kent over over him without ever saying it directly, but you all can, you can tell what he means. And he's tell, he's doing it to Lois's father, and then and he takes a breath in the rant and he pulls out a gun and shoots Luther in the shoulder and says, "Don't talk about my daughter anymore." <laughs> awesome, suck it. And then you flip the page and now you remember, oh yeah, Doomsday. So there's a big fight with Doomsday, and that was all, whatever they're still building up the danger level so like the whole doomsday fight i was like whatever but i love the idea that these kryptonians are they're a threat you know like of course they are like they're not all going to be benevolent wonderful people and then of course the last page shows two characters who i don't know the doomsday fight showed that still the difference between superman and the rest of the kryptonians and that they're all jubilant over beating down doomsday whether or not he's really dead or not he's died before the whole point they sort of made it so he can't really die anyway but they're all like having a little celebration after all the other Kryptonians and then and Superman, Supergirl are kind of like, eh. Uh, yeah, I see that now. I don't think I really caught that. Yeah, and that's more to show the difference between all these people and how dangerous they are. And then you've got the two Zod people who are like, maybe we should take over the planet. Zod had it right. They go to this Fortress of Solitude and they see all these trophies and they think Superman's an idiot for keeping all this stuff. He should have just taken his people over and they get beat up by Nightwing and Flamebird. Now, Nightwing and Flamebird. This is what know, I needed. You know who Nightwing is. Flamebird. Sort of. Well, someone, I say, hey, Nightwing, you know who you, Dick Grayson is, Batman's partner. 
Right. Flamebird was an old character who was also bad for a while. She was one of those good, good or bad, depending on how they wanted to use her characters, who was in love with Dick Grayson. She became Flamebird to get his attention, and that's how that happened. Now, at some point along the line, they decided that Nightwing's identity came from an old Kryptonian superhero legend that Superman told to Dick Grayson, and that's why he chose the name Nightwing and the costume. Oh, so some, that's that's some point. That was the that was the retcon or whatever it is they they did. That they decided to tie Nightwing and the Superman that way. So now these are Nightwing and Flamebird, the Kryptonian superheroes. Wow, who inspired the original Nightwing. Okay. So, who knows how that's going to end up? And there's some indication the tactile telekinesis is what Superboy had. That was the power. Oh game. God! I thought I'd never hear that again. <laughs> tactile telekinesis. Yeah. So I thought it was really good. I mean, I think I thought again it was like a very solid end of the first act story. Mm-hmm. You know, it was another like four star book. It told gives you a lot of good information, a lot of good character development to get to the the next part of the the arc, which is this act two of this big arc. But those characters are actually on the front of the the cover of the book, actually. Yes. Yes. Nightwing and Flamebird. Yeah, there, I guess there's a whole lot of stuff in there that they were telling me about that I didn't pick up, I guess. Sorry. Regardless, that first chunk of it was just stellar. Fantastic. I mean, that yeah. first chunk of pages, that was a pick of the week. Sort of. The, the, the Kryptonians are walking around, there's a bad car wreck, and they're just standing there looking at it, and everyone's like, why don't you save those people? And they kind of look at each other and just shrug and fly away. <laughs> Man. Eh, whatever. Man. My pick of the week, though, was Kingdom Come Special Superman number one. Okay, so was it really? Yes. Okay, because something about something about this is is something stuck in my craw with this. I don't know. I don't know why. The art was different because it wasn't painted. No, no, I understand. I, actually, I, that's the no, one I'm thing just, I thought. Starting off, starting off with that, the art was different. It wasn't yeah. normal Alex Roth art because he penciled it, he inked it, and then it was colored like it was painted, but it wasn't actually painted. It right. Yeah. No, I, well, that, that, yeah. That's. I mean. So. I mean, Alex Roth wrote and illustrated this whole thing, and and what I thought was actually was interesting was that the it's a it's a tale of the Kingdom Come Superman who's now with the JSA, and it's like it's all about him. And what I thought was interesting was that the scenes that take place in the quote unquote now, you know, like in in current JSA continuity. But the Kingdom Come references were all painted in the Kingdom Come style, right? Yeah, which I thought was a nice subtle touch. But that said, like, I, while I, well, tell me why you liked it first. I'm sorry. Tell me why. Because any it. any any little bit of Kingdom Come I can get, yeah, I will I will lose it for. I just kind of felt like, oh, can we just leave it alone? You know, I don't know. It just, it well, just... we're we're beyond that point. I mean, we've yeah. already had him. He's been around for a year. We've we've had constant flashes to that world, and there was new pages from, that he painted for that one issue of JSA. I mean, we've already we're already deep in at this point. Yeah. I mean, he said he said in the back. There's a lot of back matter in this issue. This, but this issue was thick too. Yeah. Talk about how he paint, how he did the art style plus the writing. And he says he didn't want to do a sequel because he wants to keep Kingdom Come as a single piece of work that you don't have to follow up on. But referencing it is. I mean, he's not always doing is, is filling us in what happened to, you know, in Kingdom Come, Lois is killed by the Joker. We never know really how or why. Right. Here we see it. Right. Here we see what happened, and it's not really—it's not a sequel. It's just sort of Superman telling the current Lois what what happened to his Lois, and then it's a—it's appendix material, really. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, talk, it's talking like to this brilliant. talking to this Norman Mc, Norman McKay talking about he wants guidance from this Norman McKay, but this Norman McKay's like I don't, <laughs> I don't know anything. <laughs> it was just—it was a nice trip back to one of my favorite all-time stories, and it yeah. was like it wasn't—it wasn't intrusive, it, it, but it still built upon. What's happening in JSA now, and it was it was just really nice. I really enjoyed. It. I liked his his Lois was really like pretty. Well, she was very forties. So she was very very. I know. It was yeah. Like that, yeah. Did you see the scene when Lois comes to visit him? Uh, uh, Josh, did you pick this up or? Nope. Oh, okay. Well, in, when Lois goes to pick him up, uh, Superman standing in like the uh, kind of I don't know what it is. It's like a hall of mannequins of former JSA <laughs> members, and there's a Jack Knight mannequin. Nice. Yeah. yeah, which is pretty cool. I'm yeah. sorry, I didn't realize that Alex Ross recognized comics that weren't done in the 60s. Oh, Snap. yeah. Yeah, no, I don't know. There's just something about it. It was just like, I, I don't know, it just felt, felt going, to the well-y for, going to the well for me. But but it was, yeah. it was it was good. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was, you know. But I don't know, just, it just it, it got to me for some reason. I don't know why. That was like 15 years ago. You, you can do one issue. I know. And Kingdom Come Superman's been in JSA for a while now. You seem to be okay yeah, with that. Yeah, no, I know. I know. Yeah, because but it wasn't as blatant when well this is pretty much as a Kingdom Come yeah. special, you know, like He was, did Kingdom he did New Kingdom Come art in that one issue. I know, I mean, no, I know. They, they've yeah. done it. I mean they've yeah. done it much This already. is what this is what Johns was talking about when, when we were when we were complaining about that and saying there was more coming. I guess this is what it is, right? Yeah, no, I mean, it, yeah, I guess it was good. I don't know. I like the melancholy in the Superman character. I like that he yeah. he is Superman who has been broken. Yeah, yeah, and, and no longer Clark Kent, and yeah, exactly. He won't look at the new Lois because it's yeah. too painful. He's, he's, he finds the Captain Marvel statue and stands in front of it, and you just there's so much tension in that one image of him. Yeah. Yeah. With his head down and his, the eyes dark in front of the Captain Marvel because that's where, he, that's where he's plucked out of the time stream. 
He's going to have to go back to the time stream because they plucked him out. The, tw- right. the point of the bomb goes off. He's got to have to go back. So. Yeah, because we saw in Kingdom Come that he's there. So yeah, and you know, and, and for whatever you know, I mean, that, the part. I mean, part of me likes you know, likes you know, less is more and all that kind of stuff. But I got to admit, you know, and say we will about Alex Ross and the whole painted thing and and whether or not you know, but the, the pencils were. I was very impressed by him as doing pencils. I thought that was really. I've always good. loved his yeah. his pencils. When you see his sketches in the back of books, I always yeah. said, oh, "Man, he should just draw." Yeah, and he did. Yeah. Good, well, this man. took him four years, so. <laughs> it's not it's not a quick project <laughs> all right before we move on i just want to tell everybody about witchblade the anime anime series from funimation which is available now on dvd as well as a digital download you've heard of witchblade the comic book from top cow productions and this is a this is an anime series that goes into the future of, of the character it's a different bearer of the witchblade so it's a whole different new story than separate from the one that's in the comics and the whole kind of conspiracy that goes around uh, her becoming the uh, the witchblade it's a 24-episode box set that's got awesome wraparound box art by Mark Silvestri, which is always pretty cool. And the box set includes 100 minutes of extra f- features, including everything you want to know about Top Cow with interviews and a tour. So if you're a Top Cow fan, you definitely want to pick up this uh, box set. Christmas is coming. You know, it might be a good little Christmas present. Also, if you don't really want, you know, DVDs, you can go to iTunes or the PS3, PlayStation Store, Xbox, or Amazon. You can download all the episodes as digital downloads directly to your computer. You can watch them on there. If you want to check it out, go to www.funimation.com forward slash witchblade, where They've got clips from the series as well as all the box art and some extra stuff. So go to Funimation.com forward slash Witchblade. So you're saying that they've offered several versions to consumers? Yes. Wow. Huh. Bastards. That's – anyway, (laughs) that's not irrelevant at all to anything. None. As far as I can tell. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, uh, Paul Cornell is still uh, rocking things over at Captain Britain and MI13. Number seven came out this week. What would you guys think? I love this book. I just love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and it's so funny because I, I, I still – and I love the fact that – and I'm glad to hear that you like it too because I like it for a completely different set of reasons than why you like it. And I think that's amazing. I'm sure. Yeah, it's just amazing. I mean like – I mean I love Captain Britain. I love uh, Wisdom as a character. You know, and it's this is this is continuing on those characters' worlds, and you know, and I guess that the the added characters and the the added tension and stuff like that are great. Last issue, I thought we you know we didn't really know what was going on, we didn't really understand it. I love the scenarios where it's like a mastermind or whatever kind of mind bending kind of character that gives the heroes what they want and all that you know, like this kind of like. Well, it was Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah. that was the Ghostbusters moment where they're all walking in, and they, if they think about what they want, their their yep. greatest heart's desire, yep. this devil will bring it forward and tempt you with it, and it's kind of like no one think of anything. Yeah, <laughs> what I'm what I'm <laughs> so digging about. Man shows up and then they. <laughs> the front. What I'm stupid Ray. It takes forever to come out and just. What I'm so digging about this is that I'm I'm going is that like it's it's fun like there's a whimsy yes like he's 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 doing a good story and he's doing really really good character stuff I'm digging his characters a lot Faza is great great character and and he's having fun at the same like you can like there's just moments it was the same thing in his Fantastic Four uh, true story that he did this week like it was just fun comics but it's not dumb fun it's like a, it's just a little of everything that's done really right yeah which is really cool so uh, yeah, it's, it's keeping up and and like just the characterization stuff i mean like when we see you know wisdom you know approaches the whatever the the, the villain is or whatever and and takes the temptation and he's having you know having a nice dinner with kitty pride and that one line where it's like it was you know it's great to hear that everyone you ever ever had in your care is safe and can never be harmed you know like it's just like it adds i mean it adds it, it's it's fleshing out this character of wisdom of this you know kind of character with responsibility and character with this huge weight kind of bearing down on him and and it just you know kind of it it mixes that whimsy with a little bit of sadness, a little bit of reality, and it just it's just it makes you remind that these are you know these are people fighting these crazy you know, mindless ones and stuff like that, but they're humans, you know, like they have emotions and all that kind of deal. And we got crazy Jamie Braddock back, which is always fun. Is that the redhead? Is that who that was? No, that's the um, the, 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 the yeah the pink Floyd shirt. Oh with the right, mustache. right, right. Yeah. Who, was the, who was the redhead? Oh, with wisdom. The, well, I don't actually yeah. know who the redhead is. At dinner with her and him and Kitty. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Wasn't Rachel Summers a uh, Excalibur member? Oh, it's Maureen. It's Maureen. Maureen out of the New York Times. Wow. I don't know who Maureen is. Wow. It's not Rachel Summers, although I think I think that uh, she's got red hair and a little pendant on her necklace. Might could be seen as a phoenix thing, but it's not actually. As I'm looking closely to it, it's Maureen. I don't know who Maureen is. And look, John the Scroll's not really dead. <laughs> well, he is. Quite <laughs> dead. Yeah. I love the cover treatment on Wolverine number sixty-nine. Things just keep getting worse. <laughs> Man, I thought that they ripped Hawkeye alive, open alive in this one. Were you worried? 
I was. I was like, but I, and I yelped. I was like, ah! oh, okay. <laughs> this oh. book is so much fun. Yes, it yes. is. This and I, is, this it, is the th- best thing that Mark Miller's done. I know that you enjoyed 1985. Well, this, this isn't done yet. This isn't done yet. Well, so you yeah, have to blow yeah. it hard. Yeah. The best was the dinosaurs. They're dinosaurs. Where do they get dinosaurs? <laughs> Jack Kirby's Devil Dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, so good. And and just and just like I know that this was late, but yep. I don't care because Steve McNiven is. I mean, oh, he's, he's he's killing it. He's killing it. And and also just like. Like if you look at the way that the shots were from the bar scene when the guy comes up and starts to talk to the way that the the next sort of big panel on that other page is is presented that Logan's got him down on the floor like it was just yep. oh it's great and then that the like the page after that like you just see you see Logan's fist you know in the corner yep. and he's holding it like he's gonna have the claws out and he's it's just oh it's so good so yeah. good and oh. just ri- ridiculous oh no it's Spider Man's car that's how we get out of this. Okay. It does whatever a spider can. Love that was it. great. <laughs> it's fine. So good. <laughs> it's not a problem at all. And big cliffhanger. We're gonna find out what happened to Wolverine next issue. I mean, like I've, I, 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 like I just can't. I can't believe how a how quickly it reads, but also how fun and easy it is. Like it's just easy. It's just easy. Good comics. However, uh, one thing I know how to ruin a comic book is to show us uh, what happened to Wolverine. Maybe True. It's best if we just leave that alone. That's a good point. Fair point. I, it almost would be better if we never find out. Kind of like he was broken somehow. We don't need to know how. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He fucked up all the villains. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! What I my also my favorite was how they just they're speeding through the United States now, which I knew was going to happen because the pace was so slow when it started. Pace um, Creek. No, the best was Electroville when he's like, "What's that?" He's like, "Oh, if it's a big skyscraper on top of a body, that's the Baxter Building. That's <laughs> on top of Loki." <laughs> like it's just like he's like, "You missed one hell of a fight that night." Like it was just like, "What happened?" It's like, anyway. Let's keep driving. Yeah, exactly. And then South- Venom is just all over South Dakota with no explanation. Like, it's just That's like, the great stuff. It, it lets you fill it in your head and make yeah. up your own stuff, which is cool. And so is Mount Rushmore, is that the Red Skull? I, yes. I didn't think so at first. I thought it was just a death head, but then I went back and I saw it has like an ascot on. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's only totally Red Skull, yeah. yeah it was just, that, that's the one thing because for a while I'm like, is that Ghost Rider? But then, you know, but the teeth, but like the Red Skull has the bigger brow. I don't yeah, know. But yeah, that, quite get that. Interpretation. Like skull. Yeah. But it's okay because yeah. Steve McNiven can do whatever Steve McNiven wants. Yeah, because it looks great. If it, the yeah. next one comes out in March, I'm actually okay with that. I'm not complaining. Wow, there you go. That's how good I think he is. <laughs> He's um, great. And that's how much better this was than Civil War. So uh, yeah, <laughs> and, that, and that's the that's the funny thing is that uh, we were talking about it in the comic shop, and we're just like it, this. I don't know why this is so much better than the Civil War, but it almost feels like he cares about this one more when he he's just trying to get Civil War done. You he know, had like to be it serious was, in Civil War. That's not his forte. Yeah. Right, this yeah, is exactly. big dumb action, and he doesn't have to worry about being serious, and there's no consequences because it's a future fiction story, basically. Yeah, so totally. Do whatever. That's so much yeah. better for what he does, I think. Anyway. Yeah. Why are we talking about Young Liars? I thought. I well, because because I, I wanted to revisit it. I wanted to revisit it quickly because our, we we joked like I think it was issue seven or eight that went off the rails. That was just completely. I said it was just it, it was oh god it went there. Turns out that was a dream. And, and and issue nine was back to normal. <laughs> so uh, so I'm back on the Young Liars bandwagon. Love this issue. And like we're just gonna forget about the Spider from Mars, David I, Bowie tie-in dream. <laughs> I think I would be upset. No, I'm not upset because no, because the thing is, is that they are referencing it. Like it do, it, it does make sense in the grander scheme of the story. It just came literally out of nowhere. I hate but, dream um, sequences. It's just a thing. Yeah, it's one of yeah, my pet peeves. No. But picking up again, it's still red and was great, and I just I really I really really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. So, I, I'm glad uh, for you. Let's talk about a book from a, a young upstart. I like to call Walt Flanagan. <laughs> um, uh, I can't remember who the writer is on this book, but it won't matter because the second issue won't be out for a long, 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 long time. <laughs> That's not true. Yeah. Batman Cacophony issue number one, the three issue miniseries, Kevin Smith's triumphant return to comics with an Adam Kubert cover, and the and the onomatopoeia return. So that yeah, was, that's. So that, that's that happened. You know what I thought was interesting? Did you? So did you, did, did did everybody pick it up? Connor, did you pick it up? Yep. He's almost remember ashamed. When, yeah, I was like, remember when Kevin Smith writing a comic book meant something? Yeah. Well, that's what I wrote in my little comics review thing on Tuesday. Was that or Monday? Was that you know five, six, seven years ago? This would have been the biggest deal. Mm-hmm. Yep. In of the year. Yeah. Totally. And now it's kind of like that's how it got a lot of pulls. It was like our fourth highest pulled yeah. book in the week, but still, it was kind of like there was no buzz to it. That's yeah, couldn't how thoroughly he screwed that pooch. Yeah, yep. totally. Uh, I mean, really screwed screwed the hell out of it. So, uh, it uh, it's okay. 
Yeah. It was weird. It was a lot. I mean, of words. I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad. I mean, a part of me is like, a, uh, it's a torn because a part of me is like, oh, cool. He hooked his friend up, and he got well. You know, Walt Flanagan seems like a good guy, and got he, he let him draw his book and mm-hmm. fed has it. Then another part of me is like, ah, eh, you know, no, oh, he got his you friend to draw the book. I was pretty impressed. I because I yeah. saw that and I was like, that can't be that good, and it really was much better than than I would have thought for a guy who's not a professional comic book artist. You yeah. know, like there was no storytelling problems. You know, it was my yeah. favorite. Wasn't my favorite style, but it was well done. I, I was yeah. actually really it was, it was solid. It was solid for what it was. For a guy who's yeah. not been doing this for, you know, I mean, I just, I don't assume he's been doing a bunch of comic books I don't know about. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I was actually really impressed. I thought that, you know, I know it's like totally lame to be like it was too wordy, but the Joker talked too damn much. Oh yeah, no, the, there were a couple pages where I was just like, oh, Kevin Smith, stop. Yeah. Like there was <laughs> there was a, there was a couple of pages where I was just like, there are too many words on this page right now. Yep. There was yeah. a lot of standing and talking, which isn't always, bad, but uh, the. Yeah. Oh, the the scene the scene when we got introduced to the guy with the goatee playing playing the cards, and there's that that one scene when he's in the bottom right hand corner, he's holding the drink and the cigar, and there's just this huge three level word balloon. I was just like, oh god. That's the fourth panel in a row like that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then the page you change it, it keeps going. I mean, th- yeah. That's why comics may not necessarily be the best forte for Smith, but. What I thought was interesting was, was the point that Connor made was that like you know eight years ago this would have been huge, and now it's like it's kind of like oh there it is. So. I like it for he, that. He did, he did take Maxi Zeus, who was a bit of a joke, and yeah. made him into sort of a Greek terror, not terrorist, Greek you know, master criminal, which is yeah. smuggler, which it doesn't give him some sort of identity rather than before, just being a crazy guy who thought he was Zeus, which was dumb. We made a lot of Maxi Zeus jokes like a year ago. Yeah, we did, because he, he was stupid, but now they said, all right, now you're like, a, you're like the Greek in the wire. You're sort yeah. of the yeah. Greek drug smuggler, and that made him interesting. The whole Joker in the woods was... Oh, oh Weird. yes, I agree. Yeah. And yeah. there, there were a lot. There were a lot of. You see, that's the thing. It's like, like there was a Merkin reference. Like it was like this, this kind of like the Kevin Smith potty humor type thing, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, he, he I did don't, a good I don't job know. with Mr. Zaz though. Yeah, yeah he did. He Mr. got Zaz that part. Creepy. I like because that, that was the side of Kevin Smith that we saw uh, in his in his Daredevil work that was like, right. oh, you can do this stuff really good. But he right. sort of had a mix of it because he had the Joker in there. Hey, what's with this mid-90s series called Vigilante that's being advertised all over the place? Oh, it's Marv Wolfman. He doesn't know what year it is. Anyway. Oh. Ooh. Uh. Uh. All right. Well, so Cacophony came out, and we'll see if issue two ever comes out. Supposedly it's all written. All three are already in. Yeah, we'll see. All scripts. I'll believe it when I see it. I'm not related totally. to Walt, just for the record. <laughs> yeah. He does spell it correctly. <laughs> if you head over to ifanboy.com forward slash comics, you can see the full list of all the comics that come out every week, and you can uh, you can pick your comics you're going to buy, make a pull list, and and on, after Wednesday you can come and rate them and review them. And you know we, you guys are very patient listening to us to hear what we think, but uh, we want to kind of highlight what you think of the books that came out. So um, we're going to dive right into the first re- uh, review from the iFanboy community, and it's Amazing Spider-Man number five seventy seven, and the review is by Templar, who reviewed a ton of books this week. Um, Every week, always. Yeah, the story. He gave the story a three out of five, and the art a three out of five, and says, "I really could have done without the interlude, as it distracted me, for, distracted me off the story. And I haven't liked Car- Joe Kelly's characterization of the Spider stories he's done recently. But I'm not going to let that take away from a decent story. I'll underscore decent, but with Amazing Spider-Man for the past several months, that's been about as good as it's gotten. He's not liking so Spider-Man wrong. as much as we are. <laughs> yeah, I, I, Paolo Rivera. Wow. Almost wow." I loved it. Uh, my only problem, my only problem with Paulo Rivera was that I hated his Punisher. I loved his Punisher. He was I, punished like a 1940s boxer with a beat up face. Yeah, he did. But I hated the awesome. I hated the skull. I hated the and you know that was the that was the, the every time I saw the skull and I saw the face of the Punisher it took me. It, it wasn't it, admittedly, and this is my own my own bias is is it took me out of it because it wasn't the Punisher that I knew that I thought of. Everyone's draws faces differently, and I love yeah. the fact that he drew this guy who looked like he's been beaten up. And it's just like Batman's face. If you really think about it, it wouldn't be handsome Bruce Wayne. It would be. Yeah. Cauliflower eyes and and it would be yeah you totally. know, the broken the broken nose fifteen times and it yeah. and that's how he drew Punisher which totally makes sense for the character and I loved his Spider Man yeah no Spider Man was great Spider Man was great but but that that skull on the um what did you think of the uh, J Jonah thing right in the middle of it I liked it except for the one part where basically this guy comes to accuse J Jonah Jameson of being the Spider Man serial killer and Spider he, Tracer he, he's wrong but. In order to prove his innocence, J. Jonah lifts his shirt up to show him that scar in his chest from the heart surgery, and he's got, like, ripped muscles. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, eh, J. Jonah wouldn't be in that quite a physique. Yeah. But I, I, I kind of – it threw me for a loop immediately because cause basically it's a little mini story inside of the story. But then I was like, oh, that kind of feels like old comics. I like that. So it was, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. 
Uh, I thought overall it was really, really, really strong. Really, really strong. And next week we have Marcos Martin Yay! coming back. Finally. So oh, finally, he did. He did four months worth of comics in a month. <laughs> That's true. You can't, That's a... keep, you can't keep up that output. You got to have some downtime. Jeez. <laughs> next one is by someone. Demon Boy. Demon Boy. That's right. Demon Boy did talked about Green Lantern Corps number thirty. Give the story a four out of five and the art a four out of five, and said. This is another good issue and a great run by Peter Tomasi. We get some more insight into the motives of the Zamorans and get to see their quote-unquote Oa, which was pretty cool. Also, we get another appearance by probably the creepiest member of the, of the Sinestro Corps, Crib. While these issues aren't absolutely necessary for the bigger story, GLC has been enjoyable from the beginning. If you haven't been following, pick up the trades and catch up, which is what I've heard from many people. Yeah. This was creepy. He's doing a really creepy side of the whole war where these people are killing the Green Lantern's kids. So if you're off doing Green Lantern stuff, they go. They're tracking your family down, murdering your your family and your kids. And Crib is uh, is a I think a Yellow Lantern. Uh, could be wrong, but that, I, who looks like a, his body shaped like a crib? And he, he takes the baby kids and puts them in his back, and then they take take the kids away. Um, it's just been very creepy. It's very good, but very like sort of oh Ew. ooh like that's what you say a lot when you're reading it. You're just, like, just just the, just so the description happened. of what you said really really. Ew. And then at the end, the Guardians put another law into effect where the Green Lanterns can't fraternize. There's no more dating or relationships among Green Lanterns because of this. With, with among Green Lanterns or, or anybody? Among themselves. Among, well, among themselves. Okay. Because in, in the, the whole point of this issue was this, fa- this couple, this, man, this, this husband and wife, Green Lanterns, had their family killed. Yeah. So physical relationships and love between Green Lanterns. Basically, they go to the Zamorans who are the love lanterns, and they say, you know, there's a whole argument about what is love and... And at the end, they don't, they're banning love within the Green Lantern Corps. You can see how slowly but surely uh, Sinestro's plan to, to decimate them from within is working. Ah, oh, creepy. Yeah. Hmm. Good stuff. Cool. And now if you wanted to catch up on this stuff and you want to get your comics quickly and easily online, you can go to Discount Comic Book Service. They've got monthly specials up to 75% off with 40% off the major publishers. And they've got a flat rate shipping fee of five ninety five for all U.S. orders. You can buy anything that's listed in previews, as well as 5,400 paperbacks that are in stock and available for order right now at dcbservice.com. You can track your orders online. So, yeah, so be sure to go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics, do all your picks, write your reviews, and get on the show. That'd be fantastic. And you can also email us to get on the show. And our first email comes from Kevin from White Plains, Maryland, not New York, who says he's always known there was a Flash TV series in the early 1990s, but he never saw it. He knew it was short-lived, so I guess I assumed it sucked. But I finally downloaded the first episode off of Xbox Live, and I thought it was pretty good. I just wanted to know if you guys ever saw it and what you thought of it. Are all the episodes this good, or does it decline in quality as it goes? Is it worth buying the DVD set of the whole series? Thanks. You know, shows that are short-lived don't usually suck. Yes. They're usually really good, yeah. and they, no one watches them. Fantastic Mark Hamill in The Flash as a villain. Flash was awesome. Yeah, it was. I loved it. I loved Admittedly, it. Admittedly, uh, we were, what, 10 or 11 when it, was, when it was on TV, but... No, we were a little older. It was like, it was, it was early 90s. It was like... It was oh, you're like, right. We, we were like, like 12, 13, 14 yeah, around exactly. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it 92? It might have been. 92. Anyway, we only saw about five or six of the episodes. Yeah. Those were all great. I have had the DVD set on my list for a while. I just haven't gotten around to buying it, but I look forward to watching it again. I mean, it was a great, great live-action Flash done, done with respect. It was not campy Flash. It was like they, it was after Batman with Tim Burton, so they, they went the serious dark route with it. And yeah. The reason why it failed was because they put it on Thursday nights where it was on against the Cosby Show and The Simpsons. Yep. And they got no audience because it was on against the two of the biggest shows on TV at the time. Right, yep. But I, I, kind I watched of, it. John Wesley Ship. It was great. Yep. With that, with that weird, um, with the costume though, the costume was like uh, suede. Yeah, it was cool yeah. though. Yeah, no, yeah, and, and I thought they handled the speed thing really well. They handled, I mean, like I remember, I remember distinctly the the first episode, the origin episode. Remember when he when he when he's eating all the stuff because his metabolism was moving so fast. Yeah, it, it was very impressive for what the time and the effect the effects they had to deal with and all. That. It was very very strong. Yeah. It was definitely one of the better superhero TV shows that they've ever done. Yeah, it was really really good. Did you ever see that Justice League pilot? Ooh. Yes, I have. <laughs> A VHS copy of it. <laughs> Much worse. This is the show where I don't have anything to say. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Mark me. from Minneapolis, Minnesota says, Greetings. Thanks to your podcast, I have returned to comics after a 13-year hiatus. Booyah. I have a question for Ron. Ron, as the resident X-Men fan, when was the last time you enjoyed the X-Books? You've mentioned over and over the Dark Phoenix Saga is your all-time favorite story in comics. However, you have, very defensively, talked about your dislike for the new X-Men. It seems every time you talk about older X-Men books... 
you bemoan the fact that it isn't very good or how such and such creative team screwed up your characters, your characters in quotes. I believe you have also called the X-Men a comedy of errors in the past. I know that you've been enjoying the current run and have loved Astonishing X-Men, but what else has rocked your X-Men boat between Dark Phoenix and Astonishing X-Men? Or has it been 25 some odd years of pain? It's like you went through and took notes on everything you said. I know, which and is which is which, which kind of makes me realize that it's it's been it's been a little melodramatic, and I apologize for that. <laughs> I, 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 sir, sir, do you deny that on the fourteenth of October two thousand six, you said the following? <laughs> I if I really if I hated the comics, I wouldn't have bought them. And the thing is, is that while they weren't as good over the years as as they've been, or as they would end up being when Whedon was on it, and as they are now, I still enjoy. It. Like it, like it's funny. It's how I do it. Is like I don't want to live in a world without X Men comics. Right. So like so just the fact that every month I can get, you know, Cyclops, Wolverine, you know, all the rogue, all the character gambit, what, good or bad, I'll take them. You know what I mean? Like I, I like that's that's my my world is created by the fact that those comics exist. I can be critical of them, I can complain about them, I can do all this kind of stuff because that's what that's what we do, but I I've, I enjoyed them. I mean, like even even during the Lobdell years, the the dark years of Scott Lobdell, I still read them and I still was enjoying them. I mean, Joe Mattiera's art during that period was like at the time was the shit, you know? I mean, it was like the the book to read, you know. Is it I mean, I would say part of the fun is that sort of yes. like what are you doing? To, no, please this isn't right. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, Mark, you gotta understand. I mean, you're from Minneapolis, so maybe you can understand. I don't know how, I don't know how much it is, but like, I'm a Mets fan. All right, yeah. there, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into being a Mets fan, and a lot of being a good Mets fan is disappointment. Right? So it's like it's almost, it's a little bit, it's it's almost masochistic, maybe or sadist. What is the what is the one I'm looking for? Yeah, um, masochist. Masochist. I'm a bit of a masochist. Yeah, I I, I admit to that. I kind of like it. Like I said, I want to live in a world of these comics, good or bad. Funny, I don't think I've ever put that together with you and the Mets and the X-Men, but it's really, that's, that's a very astute. I mean, that's <laughs> it really, really is. I mean, like you just like love punishment. And, and, and you, you could stop, but then what would you do? But, but you, know, you, know, you know why, though? You know what it is? It's because when it's good, it's so good. But it's never You know good. what I mean? Like when the, when the Mets win, like nothing is wrong in the world. And when Until the X-Men are good. before the playoffs. <laughs> I don't listen. I, the thing is, I don't know anything about baseball, but I know that. <laughs> I know that they go. This could be the. It's not going to be the year. It doesn't matter. You know that if you're at a game and it's the, the bottom of the eighth inning and the Mets are up five three, they're going to lose. Yeah, I've been to two games in my life, and that's what happened both times. I know that if you're a fan of the team playing the Mets and it's the eighth <laughs> inning. And they're and they're down five. You're a moron if you leave because you're about to see your team kick ass. Was oh, this about the X-Men? Listen to me. I have just spent several minutes talking about baseball on the show where I had nothing to say. Well, no, but keep in mind this is the show where I picked ba- a Batman book as pick of the week, so it's it's par for the course there, Josh. It's Bizarro show. If you have a question, you can email us at contact at ifanboy dot com. Take notes. Yeah, take take notes. Copious notes. <laughs> <laughs> on to the voicemail time our first voicemail has a question hmm? hey i fanboys this is pat from pullman i am locked out of my house in a torrential fucking rainstorm right now i thought it'd be a great time to call you guys and ask a question uh question is i was wondering what your first comic book memory is um my first is uh, reading UK comics like the Beano and the Dandy, and then emigrating and picking up a copy of Amazing Spider-Man at uh, Immigration in New York. I was wondering, uh, you know, if you guys can remember your first comic book or the first uh, time you remember reading a comic book and how it affected you and, you know, how it put you on the path you guys uh, eventually came down. So hope you're doing well and um, just doing this to take my mind off my numb feet. Have a good one. First of all, we did a really good job of wiping out Pat's accent. Where <laughs> he came from, he's now sounding cool. <laughs> he sounds like he's been here forever, yeah. <laughs> so good on us, and sorry you're locked out. One of my earliest comic book memories is I had a gigantic gray box, which I'm sure now would be less gigantic as I've gotten bigger. But when I was like five, it was a huge gray box, as big as I was. And I would read my comics and throw them in there, and it was this box full of books. They were all you know, read thoroughly, read to death, covers missing – it was just a big box of comics that I could dive into and pull them out when I wanted to read them. That was from like 25 years ago or whatever Jeez. it was. And it was just I had my books. I threw them in that box. That was a precursor to the long box. I just had this big gray box. It was 
square shaped. <laughs> I've I've always had comics kind of around, but it's funny that he mentioned British comics, Bino, because my dad went to um, England in business and came back and whatever. I don't know. I have no idea why, but it came back and with like a copy of Bino and a copy of uh, a couple of different British comics. And I remember I read those till they fell apart. Like I don't. I was just obsessed with them. I thought they were great. That was like when I was in elementary school. That and I also remember in 1984. Maybe 1984 for Valentine's Day. We used to, my parent, my family would get gifts on Valentine's Day. You get like one gift. I don't know why. It was nice. They were getting they're generous. I remember I got a digest-sized comic book adaptation of Return of the Jedi that I just I just carried with me everywhere and read till it fell apart. And oh, it was great. So those are my early comics memories. Josh, I, I'm trying to remember. At some point, Grant Morrison's JLA. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Kevin Smith's Daredevil. It was awesome. I remember at some point somebody like gave me a a like paper grocery bag full of like old marvel comics they're mostly avengers comics from like probably the early 80s late 70s too bad you didn't get the other brown paper bag yeah what's more interesting it's a playboys exactly (laughs) yeah sorry Uh, yeah oh i you threw me off and uh, (laughs) he was thinking he was thinking about playboys (laughs) no i was thinking about that one that i hid under the anyway and it was like old they were all avengers comics and i just remember the like i don't remember reading them in order or anything but like I totally remember, like, the Vision and the Scarlet Witch, like, having this whole drama thing going on and just being like, that's the coolest thing. Look, and they, yeah. they were so different than Superman, which I had known before that, you know, which was so sort of, I guess Superman's pretty self-explanatory. It's pretty, he's very strong, he's very fast, he flies or whatever. But these were all of these different takes on the idea of, of people who could do things. Um, I remember the comics were just in shitty condition and they were falling apart and they were all yellow even then. But that, I mean, obviously that made an impact on me because I still love those characters. Yeah. There. Cool. Our next voicemail is uh, trying to stir up some controversy. Hello, I fanboy. This is Sam from Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, and I have a question for you on delayed comic books. Now, it is known for some comics to be you know, not come on, come on, come in on time, and shocking as we all know. But my question is, how long do you wait until you finally drop a book? For me, I waited almost about a year for Mousegard to come out, and I finally just read it off because I wasn't getting it. And now I just sort of, even though I like the comic, I'm not really caring about it anymore because it's been so long. So I just wanted to know what you thought about the like comics and such. All right, thank you very much. Love the show. Bye. So you just you just need a number from us then? <laughs> Six months. Five months. No, I, I, it's funny. It's funny that he mentions that because the moment he mentioned he's been waiting a year for Mouseguard and just gave up, I completely forgot Mouseguard existed. And then I then in my mind, I'm like, well, what if Mouseguard came out tomorrow? I'm like, I'd buy it. You know, like it's like it's like sometimes there are books like I don't know. It's like sometimes there are books that you're just incredibly pissed off that they're delayed and never come out. But then there are books that I just don't care about. You know, like I mean, I care about. I don't care that they're late. There's a difference between an indie book that's late and a and a a company book that's late because there's a different infrastructure involved. And David Peterson doing Mouse Guard, he's the only one doing it. It's painted. If he's yeah, it's painted. He's got to have his day job. It's different than a guy who's paid to do to, to write or draw. Yeah. X-Men can't get an issue out for four months. It's different. Yeah. So you have to take that account. I think with Mouse Guard, I'll probably just at this point wait for the collection because I don't even remember what happened. Yeah. I have no memory of what happened. So I I'd think that there were some mice and there were some swords and I think snow. there was some snow. Right. Snow, snow, snow. Yeah. And, and, and it was fall. Snow. It's been fall for a year and a half. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's tough. I mean, but, but honestly, it's the moment, it's the moment you – I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how that the answer is. You know, Because I, I always buy the book. I mean Ultimate Hulk versus Wolverine comes out tomorrow. I'm buying it. Oh no, Connor! You have a cutoff date. I mean, you stopped. I mean, it depends. I I cut off the Ultimates mm-hmm. in season two when we got one issue that year. I, but at the same time, I continue to buy All Star Superman. These years are adding so, up. Yeah, that's true. So <laughs> it depends. I mean, it depends on how invested you are in the book. You know, I was really invested in All Star Superman, and I wasn't really invested in the Ultimates. I enjoyed it, but to wait that long for it seemed like rewarding bad behavior. Yeah, um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. And I, wouldn't I, wouldn't, I wouldn't write off David Peterson. I would just buy that book when it's done. I mean, yeah, it's really by the that, collection. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's like a collection kind of thing. But you know, at the same time, I mean, when when the Trials of Sam was ridiculously late, there was a reason behind it. It was Howard Porter busted his hand. You know, yeah. so you know, it's not always Xbox related. He could have broken his hand while playing Xbox. We don't know that. I don't know. That's it's, speculation. He was playing Wii. It's a Wii <laughs> well, see, that would make more sense. He should have been drawing, but he was off just playing tennis by himself. <laughs> it was warm. So if you have any problem with late books or have any questions for us, you can call and leave a voicemail at 1-888-FANBOYS. It's 1-888-326-2697. He said warm. warm. 
Warm. Warm. Warm. Warm. Check out ifanboy.com for Ron's full pick of the week review of Detective Comics 850. You can read all of our in-depth discussion, our daily columnists. You can read all of our crazy arguing that rips the internet in half. <laughs> all that awesome stuff to wake up to on a and Thursday morning. You, and you, yeah, Thursday afternoon. And you never know who um, you never know who's going to drop in in the comments. And also, you want to check out iFanboy's Talk Explode that came out this past Thursday. And you can check it if you download it from iTunes. It's in the feed. It's the episode right before this one. Uh, Josh and I had the pleasure of talking to Brian Wood, the guy behind DMZ and Northlanders from Vertigo and Local from Oni Press and New York 4. Really, really good conversation, I thought. I enjoyed that one a lot. Yeah, it's funny it, like how a lot of the comic creators approach things differently. And it, I felt like I was having a conversation with him that I haven't had with lots of people. Yeah, you know what I mean? It was cool. So definitely download that and check it out. And when you're also at iFanboy.com, go to iFanboy.com forward slash store where you can buy comics, books, movies, DVDs, whatever you want from Amazon.com and it's an affiliation with iFanboy. Or you can just click through and go to Amazon and do all your shopping. The holidays are coming. They're approaching. You cannot ignore it. Um, Shut so, your mouth. So get your shopping done early while you can. And, shop and if Amazon. you're doing your holiday shopping on Amazon, please click through the Amazon link on iFanboy and then yeah. continue shopping. It doesn't hurt you in any way. It only helps. Yes. Thank, Thank you. you. They might find some medical reason why it hurts you someday, but I don't think you can attribute <laughs> that, that one to extra us. mouse click caused the carpal yeah. tunnel. <laughs> My God! Sorry, if you just I'm had sorry. On it, if you just gone directly to Amazon, but now uh, I don't know if I can help you, sir. I was reading the comments on the video show this last week, and someone said, "This is my first episode of the video show, but I've been listening to the audio show for a while." And I said, "I said, really? That's just silly." Well, we, we put a lot of work into the video show, and I think if you like this show, you should definitely watch that. We would appreciate that, and I think that I think you'll get something out of it. We're very proud of the work that we do. I've gone on long enough. Every Wednesday, you can find a new video show. You can get to revision3.com slash iFanboy. This past week, we took a look at some comics that were made into movies. We looked at the comics themselves, not the movies, because most people have seen the movies, but the comics needed a, a little light shed on them. <laughs> and next week, we are talking to Mike Allred, writer, artist, creator. Yeah. about his various projects, including Red Rocket 7 and Mad Men and a little ecstatics. Mad Man, and, uh, not Mad Men. You like that show. You know Mad Men's I, the comic. I, I, and every time I type it, I type Mad Men. <laughs> I got to meet Mike Allred and actually Sonia, uh, who writes for iFanboy. She she came along on the interview as well, so you can see her on there. And uh, it was great. You know, he, He's a great guy, and it's just, he does some really interesting stuff, and it was interesting to hear him talk about it. He certainly loves comic books. He, he, could, he could draw a good Mad Men comic. He could, actually. Yeah, you're right. That retro kind of, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, his style would be awesome. Yeah. He would have cataloging problems. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Which book is this? Hold on. Damn it. Shop owners would hate him. If you want an iFanboy t-shirt, you're out of luck. Right now, you've got to wait till the Revision 3 store goes online because that's where you can get them. It's not online yet, so you must sit shirtless, sad, <laughs> holding a flower, a single flower. And, it, and if you want to complain to us about sitting shirtless, uh, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com or you can call and leave a voicemail at 1-888-FANBOYS. That's 1-888-326-2697 with any complaints or compliments or anything. And if you're calling the voicemail line, please uh, keep it to 30 seconds and tell us your name and where you're from. A lot of times I'll be sitting around shirtless and I'll think, man, I wish I could connect with some people online. And so if you are thinking about shirtlessly connecting with us you can go to ifanboy.com slash about and get to the various social networks like myspace and comic space and facebook and twitter and and you can you can message us from your shirtless shirtless joy <laughs> what are you yeah, doing but... right now <laughs> if you want to get a response the email is the way to go i've got a lot of facebook yeah. messages i just can't get to yes I've got all this. it was funny because somebody actually some somebody facebook messaged me and then I didn't get back to him for like a week. And then I was like, listen, just email me, email me at my address. And he's like, oh, I didn't think that you got that or went to somebody else or something. And I was like, who the fuck do you think I am? It's like, <laughs> it's like this was my email. Okay. You don't have a staff. I know. It goes to Gordon and Gordon makes sure he gets it to us. Gordon, we understand. Yeah. <laughs> he prioritizes. I need to get back to this yes. person. That, <laughs> that whole thing with him on the video before, that was a joke. <laughs> Doesn't really do the typing for us. <laughs> I haven't seen him in six months. <laughs> I think he quit. I think he's working for Pulp Secret. <laughs> oh, no, he's not. Also, I, I also guarantee next, he's not. <laughs> the next time, the next time we do uh, one of these shows with an audience over Ustream, that's be announced on Twitter. So be our Twitter friend. You'll yes. find out. You can come watch us, which is very exciting. Twitter.com. Watch us do the show. Thank God we didn't do that tonight. Whew. <laughs> yeah. You guys have no 
idea. Yeah. If you like the show, go to iTunes, write a review. That's how people find the show by searching. The shows get lots of reviews. They get bumped up. So do that for us, please, for this show and the video show. Yes. Thank you. Even better than that is to tell your friends who like comics or don't even like comics. Just random strangers on the street grab them by the lapel and, do you watch iFanboy? <laughs> Just that to everybody, all the people you see. <laughs> Connor's been arrested several times. <laughs> and since Connor's been arrested, we need to bail him out. So please go to ifanboy.com forward slash donations. You can donate via PayPal in any denomination you like. We appreciate it. We thank everybody who's donated so far. We'll continue making this great comic book-related content. If you you know you keep coming and take and oh excuse me, I had to burp there. If you keep <laughs> coming and, <laughs> and absorbing, it's funny as I did at the same time too. And when you said "ooh," I thought it was me. <laughs> nice. So I've been going for such donations. Thank you to anyone who's Ron, donated. Ron has Chico's bail bonds on speed dial. I do. Yeah, it's it's sad. It's one of my faves. <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> so until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. It's a time release uh. joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't start walking down the street. But my pretty mama don't start breaking down with me. Start breaking down. Yeah, start breaking down. Never got a budget being that baby to make you lose your mind. Unless I've missed my guess completely, you are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 159, sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service and Witchblade the Animated Series from Funimation. Anime series. Hey. <laughs> you, you stumbled on the open anyway, so it's okay. I did not. Yeah, you did. All right, three, two. I've lost all of my enthusiasm, so you are three, two. You're listening to the iFanboy. Three, two. You are listening. <laughs> I had I wa- I stepped into the other word. You wouldn't be able to cut it. Right. Th- three, three, two. You're listening to the iFanboy. <laughs> <laughs> Cock. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> you son of a bitch.